What we're going to do today is we're going to try to figure out how to have good partnerships. Now, if you weren't taught in your home how to have good partnerships and certainly how to choose the right mate, where do you learn it from? Movies, right? TV. Well, Alex Hitchens is the date doctor. He helps ugly dudes score dates with hot chicks. Now, I don't know how that works other than the broom thing or the dog manipulation, but let's see what the doctor has to, uh, has prescribed for Albert Brenneman. I hope she's single because I don't do breakups. Hi. Hey, thank you for seeing me. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, she just got out of a relationship. Is that a problem? Because if it is, it's fine. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with this anyway, you know. I've definitely been hurt a lot, you know. I had a lot of bad experiences. Some good ones. You know, definitely a lot of bad ones. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm desperate, yeah, basically. I mean, not in general. You understand, you know, not just for anybody, but, man, for her. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell me about her? Oh. All right, well, let's see. What can I say? My company handles her finances. I'm our tax consultant. Well, I'm one of them. I'm the junior man on the account. So does she know you're interested? Oh, no, no. No. Alive? I lent her my pen once. Shoot. Does anyone have a pen? Here, take one. Here. Ow, but you're crushing my arm. Sorry about that. Here you go. Here you go. Oh. Allegra, as in Allegra Cole. Yeah, you know, I realize that I'm not her usual type. Well, her last boyfriend, like, owned Sweden or something. And the guy was a bum. I, I, he just, he didn't seem like a very nice person to me. <laughs> you swing for the fence. <laughs> okay, look, 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 look. You don't think I tried talking myself out of this? I mean, you don't think I know how ridiculous this is? I, I know, okay? I just thought that maybe I, with your help, I just... You know what? I'm really sorry I wasted your time. Hold on a second there, Albert. You know what it's like getting up every morning feeling hopeless? Feeling like the love of your life is waking up with the wrong man, but at the same time, hoping that she still finds happiness, even if it's never going to be with you. You are flat out, out of your mind. You know that? Yeah. That's good. It is? Good. You ever heard of Michelangelo? Yeah. Heard of Sistine Chapel? Yeah. Michelangelo. Sistine Chapel. You saying you can do this? My name is Alex Hitchens. Let's go paint that ceiling. Now, if you have ever desired a better relationship with the opposite sex, allow me to introduce myself to you. Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel. Now, 
I can say that not because I'm smart, because, but because I know your creator. And I know what your creator has said about relationships. And God has said, if you want to do relationships the way that, that he intends for them to, you will have unbelievable relationships with the opposite sex. You can have an unbelievable marriage if you'll do God, things God's way. But God says, here's the deal. If you want that type of marriage someday, and, and even if you're single today, chances are 90% of you are going to be married at least once in your lifetime. If you want to know how to have a better marriage, if you want to have a better marriage, the one you're in right now, if you want to have a happy marriage in the future, God, your creator says, there are two non-negotiables. And you're already going to, I know you, you're going to say, you're nuts, dude. I am not doing it that way. And I say, okay, but go at your own risk. Because you do not receive the blessing of God unless you obey God. Never think you're going to get blessed by God if you disobey God. But God says, if you want off-the-chain type marriage, then follow two non-negotiables that we're going to talk about. And then the third one is optional, but it makes a lot of sense if you just uh, think about it. So let's, let's get started on this. Let's paint that ceiling, you Sistine Chapels. First non-negotiable is spiritual compatibility. Spiritual compatibility. Now, again, this is not me. This is God, your creator. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Stop forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. Can right and wrong be partners? Can light have anything com in common with darkness? Can a believer share life with an unbeliever? The answer to all three of those questions is what? No, there's an implied no there. They may be wonderful people, but if you are a Christ follower, you are not free to marry someone who is not a Christ follower. If you've said to God, you are Lord, you are number one in my life. And by the way, I grew up in the Baptist church and I've been in the Baptist church all my life. In the Baptist church, we have, we have tended to teach something that is not biblical. We've tended to teach that you can come to Christ as Savior and then someday you make Him your Lord. That doesn't compute. That is not biblical. Because the Bible says the only way that Christ becomes your Savior is when He becomes your Lord. Does that make sense? You say, you're boss of my life. And He says, because I'm boss of your life, you are in my family now. Come on into my family. I will bless you in this life and I will give you a wonderful life in heaven. There is no separation of Lord and Savior. But a lot of them in the Baptist church, we've been taught that if you just come and say this little prayer, woohoo, everything's good, live like hell. That is not in Scripture. All right, let me get off of that. If you do not have spiritual oneness in your marriage, you will never experience the intimacy that your designer created you to have. You will not have um, relational intimacy. You will not have sexual intimacy because even though you may connect your bodies through the sexual act, your, your spirits cannot be united because a non-Christian, your spirit is dead. You don't need to be resuscitated. You need to be made alive. And the only one that can do that is the one who conquered the grave, Jesus Christ. He was dead. He came back from the dead. Now he sends his spirit to make you alive. When you are united with a Christian in marriage, you have the most incredible intimacy, both relational, physical, and spiritual. You cannot have it if one of you is a non-Christian. Romans 1.12, Paul says this, I want us to help each other out. Help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. How can your faith help someone if you have faith and your marriage partner does not have faith? It can't. If you want God's best, do not even consider marrying an unbeliever. 
And I'm going to go a step further. Don't even consider dating a non-believer because you're going to end up marrying someone that you date. I see it all the time. It's happened in my family. You date someone, you fall in love with them, then you think you, you need to get married, and what you've done is you've separated yourself from God's best. All because of poor decisions. Do not settle. Now, I've reported this, or I've told this to you several times, and I'm just going to keep saying it until everybody gets it. Marriage Magazine, several years ago, reported a national survey that one out of every two marriages ends in divorce. But, check this out. So, 50-50. But... When a couple actively attends church together, when they pray together and read the Bible together, attending church, praying, reading the Bible together, that's called spiritual intimacy, spiritual oneness. The divorce rate drops to one out of every 1,105 marriages. Which odds do you want? 50-50 or one out of a 1,000? I'm going for one out of a 1,000 because I see all the time the devastation of divorce. I see it in, in a husband and wife and they struggle the rest of their lives, no matter whether they find their soulmate in their second, third, fifth marriage. I see them struggle with all the scars from divorce. I was in youth ministry for 19 years and I'm still dealing with teenagers today. And I see hurt teenagers that cannot get over the past of watching the family, which is supposed to be the safest place in the world, their family fall apart in front of their eyes. And they never recover. I want to be a forever married kind of guy. I want my children to think that's normal. I want them to see me loving their mom and appreciating their mom. That should be normal. But you know it's not. And so we've got to ask God to help us not be normal, not be natural, but be supernatural. Well, somebody's and this comes up all the time. What if I've already married an unbeliever? Then you love that person like Jesus Christ loved the church. There are specific instructions about if you're a Christian, you're married to a non-Christian. You don't get to leave. Now, if the non-Christian leaves, that's not up to you. You accept that. But a Christian doesn't get to leave a non-Christian unless there's certain examples. Uh, one of them is is unfaithfulness, adultery. And, and I think another common sense one would be if you are married to someone who is physically abusing you, you got to get out of that. The, the, the Bible doesn't expect you, God doesn't expect you to stay in those situations. We have a, I did a, a talk a couple of years ago on, on divorce. And if you want that, you know, see me and I'll, I'll make you a copy of that. But if, if those aren't the, if those situations, um, aren't true for you, then, then you don't get to leave. You love them like Jesus Christ loves them and you make their salvation, their becoming a member of God's family, your number one priority in life because you want them to go to heaven with you. That's what you do if you've already married an unbeliever. Now, if you're on the other side and you're not married yet, number one must have is spiritual compatibility. Number two, similar life direction. Now, I, I put another one out there in parentheses, purpose. Now, the reason I did that is because I wanted to be even more specific. You need to be going the same direction, but but you need to have the same purpose. And let me explain that. Amos 3.3 says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? You can substitute in there the word live uh, for the word walk in that in that sentence. Can two people live together if they're going different directions? I mean, just think about the implications of that. No, you can't. What if my wife said, I do not want to live as a pastor's wife. 
do you think there's going to be conflict in our home? I know one of my first churches when I was still in college, there was a man gave up a $300,000 a year job because he felt God calling him into ministry. His wife looked him in the eye and said, God may have called you, but he didn't call me. You think there's conflict in that home? I have relatives that that one of them wants to be in ministry and the spouse says, no, if you go into ministry, it will be without me. Do you think there's conflict? What if you feel God calling you to a deeper role at New Life Community Church and your spouse hates New Life? Is there going to be conflict? What if? No, (laughs) no, because I will tell them what's up because I am man. Yeah, right. You some kind of stupid if that's your attitude. (laughs) What if God has called you? You feel God calling you to tithe. Now, the the, the Bible teaches a tithe of of your income. Is Is it net or is it gross? Some of you think it's gross to tithe, but that's not the way I'm using that word. What if God has told you you're supposed to give 10% of your income and your spouse is a non-believer? See, to, a, to an unbeliever, why you would give money to a church is the dumbest thing you could possibly ever do, right? Is there conflict if you feel God has called you to give 10% and your spouse says, we, we, we're not giving a dime to that church? Yeah, there's going to be conflict. Now, the only way you can resolve that is if you get on the same page. On our fourth year anniversary, our church is seven years old. We just celebrated our seventh year anniversary about three weeks ago as a church. And uh, on our fourth church anniversary, we interviewed Wes, who's our worship leader, and, and his wife, Jen, came up on stage and, and just talked to them. And one of the things we discovered that was when, and, and Wes will tell you this, I'm not, we, we shared all this, it's actually on, on iTunes if you want to hear the interview. But Wes will tell you that when he was in college, he got a, a credit card and he found out that, that Whataburger took credit cards. And so he just, you know, you don't think about it, right? And so before long, and, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not sharing anything that, that has not been said before. When they got into their marriage, they discovered that they had about $30,000 of unsecured debt. Taco Bell, I'm sorry. Whataburger, thank you for... I think I did that last time too. I said that and he didn't correct me, so thank you. So now, for posterity's sake, we know it was Taco Bell. And that's a lot of tacos to get $30,000 in credit card debt. Um, but they figured out that they were in credit card debt and, and so they decided that was unacceptable for them. They they were having children, many children, and... And they wanted to have a good future for their children. And so they decided together, we're going to get out of debt. And so in the span of a little over two years, they pay off $30,000. How can you do that? Well, you better be in on the same page and go in the same direction as your spouse. But one of the things I also noticed, and, and with their permission, I went back and looked at this. I looked at how much they had given to the church during the same time span that they're, they're uh, paying off thirty grand. Almost $10,000 they'd given it to the church while at the same time paying off $30,000. And y'all are doing the math. That's forty grand, a little over two years. That's insane. And I asked him, I said, isn't it stupid? I mean, the world, with the, isn't it stupid to give money to God while you're trying to pay off debt? He goes, man, I can't imagine doing it any other way. Because he's been taught that God is involved in your finances when you give the 10% to him. But there's no way they could have given to the church and paid off all that debt unless they're walking the same direction. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? Some of you are like, yes, I do, but I can't say it because I'll get killed. This verse is asking, can two people live together 
without going the same direction, without agreeing what direction they're going to go? And the answer is no, at least not very long and not very well. If both partners are equally committed to the same spiritual direction, then there's no conflict. But if they're not equally committed, there is lots of conflict. So here's the implication. You should not get married until you first identify. First of all, you need to be a a follower of Christ. But second, you need to identify what direction God has called you to go. You can't know the right person to marry until you know what God wants you to do with your life. Why are you on the planet? Why are you even here? Why are you taking breath? It's not to take up space. It's not so that you can just go to your job every day. It's not even just so that you can procreate, have many, many children, and pass on your bad habits to them. That's not why you're on this planet. God has designed you for a specific reason. When you find that out, then you know who's an acceptable marriage partner. Look what Hebrews 3 1 says. Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. If you are a Christ follower, you have a goal far greater than simply your time on this earth. You have this heavenly calling. God custom designed you to do a job on this planet that no one else could do. And specifically to do a job in His church. The church is called the Bride of Christ. God custom designed you to do something in this church that no one else can do. And if you don't use whatever God gave you, he takes it away and he gives that to someone else because he can't trust you. All the time I hear people say, man, I just don't know what God wants me to do. God wants me to do something great. I know God wants me to do something great. And I'm like, well, you could you could pass out cards back here. Oh, that's not. No, I need something more than that. No, you need to be faithful in small things because the Bible says God can trust people who are faithful in small things. And you don't get to do big things until you're faithful in small things. So if, if you want, if you want to know how to be great in the kingdom of God, go change a diaper for a while. Go sweep some floors. Go flush some toilets and clean the toilet. Because the Bible says Jesus Christ was God in heaven on his throne. He gave it all up to put on skin to come down here and die for a bunch of people who are going to reject him. You want to know how to be great in the kingdom of God? serve the bible says that that if you are single you have a distinct advantage over married people the bible says you can serve god and not be distracted so if your goal in life is to serve god then 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 don't get married what but let me tell you this if your goal in life is to look more like jesus christ get married God will bring a spouse up next to you that is holy sandpaper. And God is going to sand on you this afternoon, my brother. (laughs) 1201, yep. I'll be sure and be finished on time, Michelle, so that you can sand. Dude, you're digging deeper and deeper. I love you, Dwayne, but... I'm going to pray for you. Father, give my brother wisdom because he knows not what he does. Um, <laughs> God, God can use you in marriage. But here's the thing. If you if you stay single, you can serve him wholeheartedly, undistractedly. You get married and especially if you marry someone who's not going towards God, you have distracted service. Does that make sense? And it is painful. 
I counsel people all the time who are miserable. You want to know why? Because they didn't do life the way God told them to do life. Now, sometimes they weren't taught. Sometimes they just flat rejected it. But see, I've never met a person who did things God's way, who came back and said, God blew it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Never met that person. But all the time, I have people that I counsel with that say, oh, I blew it. I I wish I had done it God's way. Those of you who are divorced, you know, can I ask you just a a, a couple of questions? Were these non-negotiables in your life before you got married in the first place? More than likely not, or somewhere during your marriage, one or both of you got off of those non-negotiables, and it cost you. In, In our church, you know, we don't cast stones at anybody. But we do speak the truth from God's Word. If you have these non-negotiables in place, God will protect you and provide for you beyond your wildest imagination. But if you don't, you're on your own. Now, um, God has said, here are the boundaries. They must be a committed Christian. You must have similar life purpose. Um, But let me give you just uh, a caution. God says, if those things are are, are lined up, then, then the choice is yours. By the way, God does not choose your spouse for you. That's that's a myth. God gives you free choice, and he says, follow these guidelines. He tells you in the Bible, he tells you the type of person to marry. He definitely tells you the type of person not to marry. But the choice is yours. The other myth is there's one custom-designed person for me in the whole world. God, God dreamed up that person and made it. What happens if stupid people make the wrong choices? Then all the dominoes fall. So what if what if I made the wrong choice and Janie or Janie made the wrong choice? I made the right choice. Y'all are saying, yeah, okay, that's a more realistic example. What if Janie made the wrong choice? Then I have messed up the person she was supposed to marry, and I'm going to pass that on. And see, that's just stupid. God says if these non-negotiables line up, you have the choice. But that also means you know you can't come back and blame God. Well, God said we use that a lot. We'll come back to that in a few years. God told me. Well, you know, that's a lot of times people. God said for me to tell you this. What you're telling me is in contradiction to the Bible. So who am I going to go with you or I'm going with the Bible? Sorry. And and God is not the author of confusion. So he's not going to tell 10 different people in the church, 10 different things. If 10 people in the church think that that God has said 10 different things, you know what spirit that came from? It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It's the unholy spirit which is the enemy of Christ. Now, just because someone has uh, Christ as their Lord and they have a similar life purpose, that does not mean you should get married. Ooh, green light, go! No. There's one more, and this one isn't commanded by God, but this one makes sense. This This one's optional. Personal compatibility. Personal compatibility. Now, I want you to watch this clip where Albert is is dealing with rejection from this woman. And, and I just want you to think about how much compatibility he actually has with someone that, that has rejected him. Watch this. Hey, fella. Yeah, good. You? Uh, what you got there? This? Eh, figured maybe if my heart stops beating, it wouldn't hurt so much. She hasn't called back. Hey, you want some coffee? I want you to fix it. 
I got nothing, Albert. Hey, you you want to do something? We should get out tonight. I mean, honestly, never knew I could feel like this. I swear, I'm I'm going out of my mind. It's like I want to throw myself off of every building in New York. I, I see a cab and I just want to dive in front of it because then I'll stop thinking about her. Look, you will. Just give it time. That's just it. I don't want to. I mean, I've waited my whole life to feel this miserable. I mean, and if this is the only way I can stay connected with her, then, well, this is who I have to be. No, you don't. You can change. You can adapt. You can make it so you don't ever have to feel like this. Ever again. You just don't get it, do you? No, I get it. So let me get this straight. You're selling the stuff, but you just don't believe in your own product. Love is my life. No, love is your job. Yeah. Hey. You want to jump out a plane without a shoot, be my guest. But forgive me if I don't join you. This isn't about love for you at all, is it? Yeah. This whole time I thought I was the coward. Where are you going? Skydiving. I love that line. This whole time he thought he was the coward because um, he wouldn't go out with this girl or, or make a move on this girl. And really, Alex Hitchens is the one who has the hard shell around his heart. And he's the one that needs to learn to adapt. We'll talk about that in a second. Let me give you just a couple of things that you need to think about before you get into a relationship. Some some uh, uh, things to consider before you get married. Level of ambition. I'm going to fly through these real quick. Level of, of ambition. For instance, if you've got a very ambitious wife and a not-so-ambitious husband, is there conflict? I know that's right, baby. Um, compatibility and intelligence. Now, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Um, education, verbal skills, social background, economic background. One of the things that attracted me to my wife, and, and I'm not at all saying that I'm a funny person, but she got my jokes. It was the weirdest thing to be on a date and, you know, you smart off and say something and, and either it goes boom, right over her head or she goes, huh? That's not endearing to me. So my wife gets my joke. She thinks I'm funny. I don't care if you do or not. My wife thinks I'm, and my wife thinks I'm cute. So I don't care if you do or not. I'm set because that's good. Um, you need to talk about your expectations for roles. What does the husband do? What does the wife do? You need to talk about your expectations for children because if you think you're having one kid and she wants 10, there's going to be conflict. You need to check out the family. Because you marry the whole stinking family. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I get a lot of response on that. You are marrying two family systems and there is going to be conflict. Now, um, I heard one guy say, you know, all this compatibility stuff, this is great. But what about sexual compatibility? And he said, you know, I'm not ever going to buy a car without test driving it. So I'm not about to get married without doing a little sexual tire kicking. It's the only smart way to get married. That's the biggest load of horse manure. God, y'all think I'm crazy. 
you just you just back it up and pile it out there because it can't get any deeper than that. There have been 50 studies, over 50 studies done in America on what premarital sex does to a marriage. Now, if one in two marriages end in divorce and, and not one, not 15, not 25, over 50 studies, every one of them says that premarital sex increases the likelihood of divorce. Don't tell me that sexual compatibility is something that you got to have. Janie and I got married. We didn't know what sex was. We found out together. It's one of the things that I think is the sweet, one of the sweetest things about our relationship. We didn't have a clue. We learned together. And that helps cement our relationship. You can learn sexual compatibility. Don't give me that horse hockey. That's what my dad called it. Horse hockey. I used to think, does it look like a puck? I don't know. I don't know why you call it hockey. Here's the bottom line. With every difference you have, you've got to make adjustments. If you have minor differences in your relationship, then you make minor adjustments. If you have major differences in your relationship, in your past, and all those things, then you have to make major adjustments, and there's going to be conflict. Now, I'm not saying don't marry someone just because they're opposite to you, but I'm saying answer this question first. How much pain can I endure? You need to ask that because the more differences you have, the more pain you're going to have to endure in your relationship. Now, you're going to face it. In our movie, Alex finds out that relationships hurt. You know, he was saying he, he was a coward. Albert called him a coward. And he finally figures out that relationships hurt. And so he decides he wants to go for it. He's going to open up his heart. And he's going to go for it. And, and he has to choose how much pain he's going to handle. Watch this scene. Hitch, uh, can I talk to you? What? Uh, <laughs> hey, you almost hit me. I, um, look, I just, uh, I wanted to stop by, basically, um, see, this is the thing. I, um... Uh, <laughs> whew, it's, it's weird. Uh, I don't have me behind the door. You know, it's just, it's like, close your mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, because I I knew at some point I, I'd be, you know, right right here, you know. But I I thought that, you know, I like we just blah, 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 you know, it would come out, you know. But it's you know, it's like. <laughs> That's throwing me off. Can we close the door? What? I'm sorry. Just, can we, I just, I need it. Are you serious? No, just like this. Just. What do you want, Hitch? You. For, for a whole lot of reasons that don't make any sense to me. I mean, I mean what, we've been on three dates? But, that, see, that's what's crazy. That's what's crazy because I know. I know deep. Like, just down, just in this area. That I just know that I want, I want to be 
miserable. Like, really miserable. Because, hey, if that's what it takes for me to be happy, then... Alex Hitchens, Tom Raider. Hey. I'll just put this in the car. Oh. Uh, maybe it's like what you said. We should just both go our separate ways and and we'll do just fine. Fine isn't good enough. What if I want extraordinary? No such thing. If you don't want to settle for fine when extraordinary is available, then you need to do things God's way. Two non-negotiables. They need to... You need to have spiritual compatibility. You need to have life purpose or life direction compatibility. And then you need to have personal compatibility. That's the one that's not commanded, but it just makes sense. Let me give you just a couple of quick things about compatibility. This is on your listening guide. Um, compatibility is a choice. Any two people can learn to be compatible if they're willing to be compatible. People say, we're incompatible. No, you're just selfish. You need to grow up. Um, we keep butting heads with each other and no one wants to give in because I don't want to give up more than you give up and all we do is show that we're children in relationships. So write this down. This isn't in the blank. This is, this is three words you need to, to help your relationships. Get over myself. All right? You just repeat those words in your relationships. Get over myself. There's three things it takes to be compatible. First of all, a willingness to adapt. A willingness to adapt. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I used that two weeks ago. Jason used that last week. By the way, didn't Jason do a good job last week preaching? I appreciate him filling in for me. We're going to try to wear this verse out until somebody catches on. In other words, don't wait on the other person. You be the one willing to change. That's how you... Um, have compatibility in any relationship. You be willing to change. Don't expect the other person to change. Second thing is emotional maturity. If you're going to be compatible with someone, you need emotional maturity. Proverbs 8, 5 says, Are you immature? Learn to be mature. Are you foolish? Learn to have sense. I love that. Are you a dork? Learn not to be dorky. Are you stupid? Don't be stupid. Are you selfish? Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Selfish. Are you immature? Don't be immature. 99% of all marriage problems could be solved with two words. Grow up. What you've got is two very immature people insisting on their own way out of their own insecurities and nobody's going to budge an inch. And the marriage dies. Immaturity is the number one reason for incompatibility. 
And let me just say this too. Premarital sex, if, if, if it increases your, your uh, chances of divorce, let me just tell you this. If you think about your relationship, and if your relationship would die if there weren't sex, your relationship's already died a long time ago. The reason you can't walk away is because you've tried to unite your souls. You've tried to do things that God said you're not supposed to do. You think back to all those relationships that went on way too long. I guarantee you, had you removed sex, they would have broken up a long time sooner. Number three is effort. For compatibility, you need effort. Romans 14, 19 says, So let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. You only have a certain amount of energy in life. Do you realize that? You're either going to use it negatively or you're going to use it positively. Use energy to fix the blame or to fix the problem. In any relationship, you can retaliate, you can react and retaliate, or you can resolve and reconcile. But you're not going to have enough energy to do both. You don't have enough energy to react and retaliate and also resolve conflict. You can't do that. So you got to make a choice. So if you want a good marriage, stop criticizing, stop finding the blame, stop fixing the blame and fix the problem. And the Bible says that when two Get married, they become one flesh, so it's no longer their problem. If you're married, it is your problem. You be the one to change. It takes energy. And I suggest you use the most energy on fixing your relationship.